Thank you for the war, Lord God, and for the victories that you have brought to us through your, faith, your faithfulness, Lord God. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as Jesus defeated Satan and death on the cross and through his resurrection, we also are brought into the fullness of newness of life as we have died to this world and become fully yours, Lord God. So I pray each one would be encouraged today and you quicken us with your Holy Spirit. You said we can know your voice and hear uh, what your Spirit is saying to us so that we can understand what is going on in our lives and not be perplexed, not be confused, not be distraught. Father God, I thank you for the divine protections that we cry out for every day as we are in this war. We cry for the shields of God to keep us from the vibrations, frequencies, and deadly assaults against our physical bodies, our minds, our hearts, our souls. Father, you are the only one who by the power of your love controls and, and keeps us in the midst of the devil's onslaughts to destroy us. So we give you praise and we thank you for covering us. We thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ is our righteousness. And we thank you now for those who are listening, that you'll give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to be encouraged. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about perplexing afflictions. And that's kind of interesting because in the last well, I don't know, always, I guess, but in the last couple of weeks or so, I've been hearing about the most unusual attacks upon people's physical bodies, things like um, burning and and eardrums uh, disintegrating overnight and uh, brains that are being crushed through weird things that are pushing on their systems, their optic nerves and their whatever, auditory nerves, all these kinds of things. And I'm sure there are many more that I can't even go into. But I want you today to think about the perplexing afflictions that are looking that that are in your world, maybe someone you've heard of or something. But before we start all that, I want to just read in Luke for a minute to get a perspective, a kind of a, a starting point on perplex perplexity. Uh, in Luke chapter 21, verse starting with 25, uh, he's talking, Jesus is talking about the second coming, his coming again. By the way, that is a real thing. He is coming again, and many people are not aware of that. They're not awake to that idea. They're in in this turbulent life of crazy, busy, escapism, whatever it is, distractions, and they are not being prepared. They're not preparing themselves for what's coming. Anyway, verse 25, and there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity and the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of the things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, for you, lift up your heads, for your salvation, your redemption draws near. Well, yes, indeed, that is true, but that is the that's the urgency, that's the warning that Jesus is giving us to kind of um, orient us to the days that we are living in right now. Uh, so we do see all of that people driven. In, in I'm going to talk mainly now about personal issues. We know the world out there is crazy and it's full of 
whatever, and that's all there. It's vile, and it's vomiting, and it's bleeding, and it's burning, and it's doing all kinds of things. Nature is groaning. Um, everything is out of control. Even the things that were stationary seem to be moving out of their place, uh, like the weather, etc. And we, we're being overtaken by these things. But and that is a, that's a context for the pr- the panic and the fear that is being your body, man's heart's failing them for fear. So a lot of these perplexing afflictions, all of them are coming from the the second kingdom, the kingdom of hell, the kingdom of darkness. And so we have to understand again, please put away the notion that there are three kingdoms. There are only two. Jesus said, by their fruits, you shall know them. Let's not deny and make excuses and pretend like everything is okay because of the way we were programmed and taught uh, to believe. So um, what what could these things, what could be the issue that's causing our, our bodies to disintegrate, fall apart, get sick, have curious diseases, um, things that are new diagnoses for things that are, are rare or whatever, curiously eating away at our flesh um, and, and enveloping our minds, uh, losing our identities, traumatized, you know, as far as losing our identities, we don't know anymore if we're good or bad, male or female, where we come from. And if, if we don't know those things, these are the foundations. And the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Well, the foundations are the premises of the word of God. You know, who you are, where you come from, male or female, God is holy, the devil is not, there are two kingdoms. These are the foundation stones that Satan is knocked down. And so then the question becomes, well, what can the righteous do when this goes on? And basically we that's uh, if you want to look that up more. That's in uh, Psalm 11, and it's it's a it's a tragedy that we have. We're in that place right now, but but personally, uh, it becomes a a problem because we don't know how to address what is going on. We have many opinions, doctors, diagnoses, labels, all kinds of things the world's throwing at us, and most of that just becomes more destruction because we're actually agreeing with the lies that the enemy is laying upon, laying on us. So again, going back to that thought of the idea, the, if the foundations be destroyed, um, in, 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 interesting, even in that so short little Psalm 11, in verse 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Um, but it says in verse 4, the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is on high. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous. But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his, his soul hates upon the wicked. He will rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind. Isn't that interesting? This shall be the portion of their cup. We've got fires, we've got brimstone burning, we've got all of these things. And then verse seven, for the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. So what we're seeing is in the middle of all this crisis, chaos, tragedy, broken foundations, destruction on every hand, God is still in control. He's still sitting on the throne. He's not freaking out. And his eyelids are watching his eyelids, it says, test the sons of men, this and, and God, the Lord, test the righteous. Really, he is not testing us. He is allowing Satan, uh, what Satan has gained through our agreements and through our compliance and through our, our unbelief and through fear, he has gained a right to test us. He has gained a right to bring his demonic judgments upon us. And this is what the Lord is referring to, that Satan is testing us. God is permitting it because God has to permit it because the rule is whom you yield yourself servant to obey, his slave you become. So we've yielded to Satan. So now Satan is getting to bring his demonic judgments upon us. And we need to understand these these um, uh, operating principles uh, in the war, these rules, if you will, so that we can go to the fact, go back to the place of getting a divine 
revelation, understanding, and answer to these perplexing afflictions. Um, I, I, you know, there are so many um, that it's hard for me to begin to name them. But you think about them. You've heard these weird things, strange things, people dying of this and that, and being these new new diagnoses and whatnot. So the question is, what 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 could it be? What could be the cause of this? This uh, you put in the you fill in the blank. The thing that's that's afflicting us, tearing us apart, eating away at our body, distorting our, our mind, causing us to go insane or the people we love, causing weird things, weird, I'm telling you, weird things to happen, not normal things, things that are out of the ordinary and, and the things that we in this Western hemisphere are not used to seeing because we are used to, uh, well, I should say actually in America because the Western hemisphere has some pretty weird things going on in, in places. Uh, but we're not used to these kinds of blatant demonic um, obstructions and, and activities. So what could it be? Um, well, first of all, we need to know, as we're seeking for the answer to what this could be, that nothing is an accident. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 26, 2, the curse without a cause does not come. So there we know, therefore, there is a reason for everything. So there is no such thing as an accident. The accidents we put into that third kingdom of I don't know and uh, we throw in that kingdom everything that we can't figure out, and that kingdom then becomes the predominant kingdom from which we operate and try to figure things out. You figure things, try to figure things out from the kingdom of I don't know, which makes no sense. So nothing, we have to agree, we have to settle on some, some basic principles. If you're going to play the, 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 the game of football or Monopoly, whatever it is, the first thing you do is you agree with the rules. This, these are the rules. We're all going to abide by these rules. These are the rules of this game. And so the first rule is nothing is an accident. E- everything has a purpose, has a reason, a cause. Um, Jesus said, also he said, if his word abides in us and we abide in him, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. So this is principle number two. Truth equals freedom. Lies equal bonding. bondage, abiding in his word. Now that word is truth, not other conversions and concoctions of truth or your truth versus my truth. It is Jesus Christ who is the truth and abiding in him and in his word, knowing his word, understanding the word. The word gives us a lot of clues and instruction uh, and and con- concerning what's really going on behind the scenes of everything. So Jesus said that truth equals freedom. So that's sec- the second thing we have to agree with, that lies don't bring freedom, uh, dis- uh, denial doesn't bring freedom, escapism doesn't bring freedom, pretending doesn't bring freedom, um, ignoring uh, and avoiding does not bring freedom. Truth brings freedom. And so a, a lot of us, uh, most of the time, we're too scared to actually dive into the truth because we have we have been hooked on a couple of lies uh, we've given agreement to in the past. Like, for example, I don't want to know. I don't care. I don't want to hear. I don't want to see. I don't want to know. I don't want to remember. And when you give agreement to those things, when you're in a trauma, for example, you are giving agreement to those liars who then lock you up and disassociate and disconnect you so you don't get to the truth. So you have to unhook or cancel out that agreement with I don't want to know. Because you do know, you do want to know, because that's the revelation of truth that brings freedom. So fear says, if you know, if you remember, uh, it'll be real, and you don't want it to be real. So let's just pretend like it never happened, and I don't want to know about it. And so these kind of denial, avoiding kind of agreements, only set set us up to um, be lost, bound, confused, and then go to someone else for an answer when they have no answers. 
so the two conditions for um, getting to the heart of the matter, to the root of the perplexity and the affliction is to understand we must abide in his word because that is the truth. And knowing the truth, we must embrace that truth because that equals freedom. So we have to, first of all, come out of denial and know that there is the curse without a cause. So this is a curse. If it's not a blessing, it's a curse. And Jesus said very clearly, Matthew 7, uh, 35, by their fruits, you shall know them. You you know, this is very, very simple. You can reduce everything down quickly because there are only two kingdoms to where where are you from, heaven or hell? Is, is frustration, fear, anxiety, uh, you know, disintegrating eardrums, uh, you know, arthritis, pain in the body. Are these things, uh, are these things blessings? No, they're not. Um, so we, we have really been, for the most part, sucked into and destroyed by and caught up in that labyrinth of lies and theological errors that have locked us into misunderstanding the Word of God who Jesus is, who God is, and who we are, and what's going on, and that there really is a devil. So people don't want to put the devil in the equation, so then you have an equation that doesn't work to help you solve the area of a, of a triangle. You have to have the right equation before you can get the right answer. And so if you for, refuse or don't want to or don't believe or believe lies about the devil, if some people believe, well, he's a defeated foe, and um, so it's all under the blood, he's defeated, and we're, we're dead to all that, and now we're fine. Well, that's one side of the coin, and that's only half the truth. The other half of the truth is that, yes, he is a defeated foe, but we must enforce that defeat that was gained, that victory gained at the cross by declaring, submitting to resisting him, submitting to God, um, and and doing battle with the enemy by standing and withstanding the air by standing in the truth. So um, otherwise, you're going to be all smothered up smothered in all the lies and propaganda that has been going on since the the programming, since the foundation of the world. This is nothing new. It's just something more apparent now. It's getting, because we have more technology, we can hear and compare and see and get the information more quickly. Satan has been doing this all over the world since the beginning, but we didn't know what was going on in other places, but now we do. And so we need to understand that this is nothing new. So, um, Many times when we see too much, know too much, we get afraid, locked up in fear, helplessness, despair. That's what the devil is doing. He is coming to you as you, impersonating you to yourself and getting to you to believe the terrible things, the fearful things that you are thinking and feeling. Does that make sense? Well, it's got to make sense because it's the truth. So we're overwhelmed. We're sedated. We're numbed out. Many people don't have any feelings. They're passive. They don't want to go into their feelings because their feelings equal, feeling feelings equals pain. Um, They're distracted. They're disturbed. They're um, disconnected, disassociated. All of these are plots and plans, like I just said, that cause the enemy to disconnect you from the truth uh, and cause us to become sedate, unmovable, not active, not willing to stand up and say no. We become overwhelmed, struck down, terrified, anxious, paralyzed. Um, You know, either extreme works for the devil you know, to lead you into any kind of fearful, paralytic, overwhelmed, anxious state, or to get you on the other side of that and try to fight, 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 fight everything. So many people today are trying to fight all the evil, and it's only actually working to enhance and and, and, and it's falling into the hands of Satan. Satan is using your fighting of him to create more division, more um, fear, more uh, whatever. 
So we cannot fight the devil on the, the on those grounds. We have to go back and come into the revelation and agreement with Jesus Christ and stand in the word of God. The word of God, the word of God, Jesus Christ, his word applied to us, the church of Jesus Christ, the true church. These are the only things that are not and can they can be affected by the world. Yes, they can. But these are the only places where there would be a safe haven if we're walking in the truth, where we have divine wisdom and counsel and direction by the Holy, by the Holy Spirit. So, so the devil is working in us on, to put us, to set us aside, shut us down, wreck your body, your life, your relationships, uh, and, and crazy things, accidents, unusual things. So now let's look at the three things that we need to know um, to deal with these uh, perplexing afflictions. And first of all, you know, we have to recognize that this is not an accident. There is a cause. This is, n- this is not a divine punishment. This is a demonic attack. Uh, we must understand and put in the right context, or you're going to say, God is mean. God is testing me. This is my cross. And then you're going to be doubtful. Well, I don't know what I should do. If, if God is punishing you, teaching you a lesson with cancer, then how dare you ask God for healing from the cancer? You know, you're asking God to go against his will, if it's his will, if it's his will to teach you a lesson. But it's not that. It's not God's will that you should suffer affliction to learn a lesson. It's God's will as it was with Job to deliver you. And we know if you read the book of Job, it was all the devil's idea, not God's. God didn't start the problem. And God finally had to tell Job, now make it clear to them that this wasn't me. I didn't do this. They said that was things about me that weren't true. You need to forgive them. They need to repent. That's the last book, chapter of the book. So we have to realize, number one, that this is not an accident. There's no such thing. Um, it's not a demonic, a divine punishment, but it's a demonic attack. This is the, number two, this is the fruit. This thing that's coming upon you or in you or eating you away is the fruit of believing lies. Um, lies that have been, have, lies that have covered up the truth of who you are and the fact that you're built by God to love the truth and know the truth and walk in the truth and walk in his goodness and love goodness and love the law of God. Um, they try to, these lies try to bring us into the power of the lie to kill us. The devil wants, see, the devil only has the lie to work with. God is the truth. So all Satan could do, all, the only thing that was left was the lie. So he has to make the lie look like the truth because he knows we're built by God to love the truth. And so he wants, just like the fisherman dresses up the hook to look like lunch to the hungry little fish. Now, the third thing is that we can know and live in the truth. The, the mind says you can't know anything for sure. That's what doubt is, I think. But thinking is, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. I can't know for sure. I can't know anything for sure. The only thing I can know for sure is that I can't know anything for sure. That's basically what thinking is. Um, and so, but Jesus wants us to know we can know. We can know and live in the truth. He said, he didn't say think and feel. He said, knowing this, knowing that I love you, knowing where I'm going, knowing that we've been crucified with Christ, knowing that he's raised from the dead, knowing. We, we need to know that we can know. And if you don't know that you know that you know something, you can never say no to the devil. You have to stand in the authority, the firm, confident authority of God's word and say, no, the Lord tells the truth. This is the truth. I don't care what it looks like right now. I'm standing in the truth. Moses didn't care what it looked like right there at the, at, at the, the brink of the Red Sea as Pharaoh was barreling down on his, ki- on his people. And as the night wind blew, the east wind blew, all Moses knew is that he was there. God told him to be there. He was in the will of God and he waited. 
And so he saw the salvation of the Lord, but he couldn't panic. If he would have turned around, panicked, and surrendered to to Pharaoh, that would have that, that would have not allowed the Lord to bring forth the great victory and, and glory that he had planned. So we have to know and live in the truth. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And sometimes we can't even go with what it feels like because the devil tampers with our emotions, our feelings to shut us down, make us afraid and, and make us not willing to come out of the cave, not willing to come out of the prison that he's locked us in through trauma and through memories and through programming. Satan has locked many people up in their early in their childhood. He set them up in prisons, traumas, events, memories that they're still hold, held hostage in. They're still um, back in those places. Um, but God wants us to know, number three, that we can know and live in the truth, that we can actually recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Why? Because he said we could in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep know my voice. And so the voice of the good shepherd is, it's not a, a hearing in your head. It's an under, it's a, it's a revelation of, of his spirit in your understanding. His spirit uh, clarifying, speaking, leading you through your uh, spirit, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit so that we can know stuff that we need to know. Then we don't have to think and feel and try to figure it out because we already know it. And this is the difference. This is what it says when it's, when the Bible says, um, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh can only offer you ideas, opinions, fear, um, uh, tally up the results of what other, everybody's saying, but the, the flesh doubt, fear, uh, you know, opinions, but it cannot give you a clear, absolute, this is the way, direction. And that's what Jesus is. He wants us to hear him, know him, recognize the voice of the good shepherd. It's not your voice. And a lot of times people say, well, that's just me making it up. Well, you know what? It, the spirit of God lives in you, as does the enemy. The impersonator lives in you, the impersonator of you, the, the, the enemy lives in us to, to tempt us in our minds, in our hearts. He's there too. The Holy Spirit is there and the enemy is there. And God wants us to, and we are built by God to walk in the truth. So if you're following Jesus and want the will of God, the Holy Spirit was, is faithful to lead you to, to, into the truth. Whatever this mysterious thing is, and most people are so locked up in their anxieties and their, their uh, obvious circumstances that they can't even settle down enough to just be quiet enough to say, okay, God, what is this? Just show me what this is. If you have a, a perplexing affliction, you really want to become quiet before the Lord and get into the Bible and begin to talk to God and say, God, you know what this is. Holy Spirit, you know exactly the root of this. You know exactly how the devil's blackmailing me here. I want to know what the answer is. So you can know what God is saying by the fruit. He, he, can, he can tell us, show us what's going on, and he wants us to know. Then we go back to, if you understand the word, back in... Um, Deuteronomy 27 and 28, you can take a look at it yourself. God is talking about, you know, the, he's alerting, equipping, preparing um, the, the children of Israel to go into the promised land. This is just at the end of their wilderness journey. And he says to them, he says, um, Deuteronomy 27, if you do these things, cursed is the man who does this, 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 and this, and this. I won't go through it right now. And in 28, he says, you're going to be blessed if you if you follow me and obey. But if you don't, then these specific things are going to happen to you. And he's very, very specific in what is going to happen. Um, so we want to understand that there are consequences to disobedience. People say, well, can Christians be cursed? Yes, they can. Why? Because, well, for two reasons I can prove it to you. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. So that means we can be cursed. Pray for those who spitefully use you. And curses come when people 
disobey God. What does that mean? Well, when you disobey God, can Christians disobey God? Yes. When you disobey God, that means you're coming into an agreement with the devil. You know, you disobey God, you act out of fear. When you're acting out of fear, you're disobeying God. You're not believing God. You're not believing Jesus. You're not believing the promises of health, healing, and deliverance. You're believing what fear says. And so much of our disease and problems come from believing the lies that fear is telling us. Now, we have to understand that God has not called you to be a victim, but more than a conqueror. So too many of us are poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm a victim. I can't do anything about this. I'm trapped. You are not trapped. We're never trapped. We always have one more move that we can make. Maybe it's not a a physical move. Maybe it's not in the soul, but it's in the spirit. You can make a move in the spirit always to repent uh, from trying to do things yourself. Remember, the battle is the Lord. So number one, we're going to repent, lay down the battle, let the Lord fight the battle because the battle is his and he's already won it. Number two, recognizing the specific lies that you're being, that you're believing. You can ask the Lord, what, what are the lies I'm believing about this fill in the blank? What are the lies I'm believing about this, this, uh, this arthritis in my hand or this perilous, paralyzing uh, thing, this swelling, this way? What, what are the lies I am believing? Remember, we have to be specific. Nothing is dynamic until it's specific. You can have a hammer, you can have a nail, you can have a board, but until there's a specific action of the, uh, the power of the hammer hitting the nail into the board, there is nothing built. So you, ha- you can have all the elements, but you have to, they have to be specifically applied. Number, so recognize that the lie is, what the lie is and be specific in dealing with it. Number three, understand the rules of the war. Um, we, you know, because this is what happens. Satan, um, he, he has a thing, we call it the law of reciprocity. Satan, uh, his, his law of justice is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If you poke out somebody's eye, then they get to poke out yours. So if you, if, so this is, this is fair. You know, if you took their art, then you can't have yours. That's his idea of fair. It's, it's called the law of, you can call it the law of sowing and reaping or the law of an eye for an eye. But he, he is very specific. If someone in your bloodline, this is where it gets specific, but it gets kind of mysterious because we don't always know what's going on in our bloodline. But if someone in your bloodline has done something that has not been brought to the court and there's not been forgiveness and it's not been dealt with before God, then that is still an active encounter, an active case, an open case. And so Satan can bring that, that judgment that was... The, the sin that they committed can still come down your bloodline and be in your life, be uh, active in your life. I, it's just the truth. I've seen it many times where people are suffering from things they didn't do. That's not fair. But according to Satan, it's fair because there was no, there was no um, verdict. There was no justice brought to it. So now you get to pay for what somebody did way up there and you have no idea what they did. It's not fair. But the, the interesting part is you have come into some agreement with the devil that has allowed him to bring that thing down in your life. So you've believed a lie somewhere along the, the way. Um, so the devil cheats. You know, he flips the blame for the sin onto you. And he justifies himself um, in putting his demonic judgment upon you for sinning because you believed a lie. You were afraid. You, you um, took matters into your own hands. You were angry. You didn't forgive. All those kinds of things. Um you know, and but he he's judging you for acting on the temptation to sin that he put in your mind in your life. So he's actually a hypocrite, but he's judging you for what he said. But but you are taking the blame. So here's another thing we need to understand. Number one, or number not number one. I'll run through these again when we're done. Um, 
that you have come into an agreement with guilt. I sinned, I'm bad, therefore you're going to agree with, it's my fault, it's my responsibility, I should have, I shouldn't have, I should have done. So you're, you're taking on the responsibility, I, I'm responsible, I'm the oldest, it's my fault, I should have known better. And a lot of us are, are trained like that. If you're the oldest, you know, you're the one who gets spanked and, and, and the youngest gets spoiled or whatever it all is, not necessarily always the case, obviously, but you know, you, you're trained to believe it's my fault, my responsibility, I need to take the punishment. So in those particular cases, it's my fault becomes a big um, accusation, a big uh, place where the devil tries to get us to enter into agreement with him. It's my fault, my respons- because it was my responsibility, and I should have, or I shouldn't have, and I didn't, and I did, and all this stuff. Um, so he's trying to make his, press his charges against you and make them stick, but he has to get you to agree with guilt. Guilt also, um, or we passively agree with guilt that um, I deserve to be punished because I don't deserve, and I, because I sinned, and I don't deserve good things, so I'm bad. So I'm bad, I don't deserve good things, and it's my fault. All allow Satan to put on us his demonic judgments of pain, poverty, and sickness. Um, so when you're saying, it's my fault, I, I sinned, I'm bad, then the enemy c- confuses your immune system and your, your, your immune, your, you begin to express or experience the immune system diseases in your body, uh, the breakdown, the body turning against itself, not protecting itself because your immune system is confused because God told it to protect that which is good and destroy that which is bad, and now you're saying that you're bad or you're uh, allowing certain of your members to be identified as bad because they were sexually abused or whatever, and so then the enemy goes after those parts of your body because you're agreeing that I am bad or those are bad, and you're not defending, protecting, loving, embracing the truth of who you completely are. So th- there's, uh, there's a lot here that we're talking about. We're go- pain is punishment. So a lot of times, we just did a seminar this last weekend, and our main, one of our main subjects was pain. And uh, I taught the people that pain is a demon. Yes, God has pain, but there's also counterfeit pain. And that counterfeit pain, God's pain is, for example, when you break a leg, it hurts. So you now know you need to go to the doctor, get it fixed. Simple. And when it gets fixed, the pain goes away. Yay. But when the pain goes on and on and on, it's emotional pain, it's physical pain, it's whatever it is. We are believing that we deserve to be punished and pain is a demon. And I told them that the first time I ever addressed pain in someone's life that I remember uh, way back in the day, I asked the spirit of pain on the witness stand why he had a right to be there. And he says, I can be here because I, because I can, because no one's told me to leave, basically. I can be here because I am here. And so we just say, well, people have pain and everybody has pain and pain is just a deal and everybody's got pain and we got to have pain. No, you don't. And so I was telling these ladies, most of them ladies, take, take authority, tell that spirit of pain to get out. And we had at least three testimonies of pain leaving people's hands, uh, arthritis, pain in the hands, pain in the bones, pain in the, in the hip, pain. And arthritis is the same thing for, you know, arthritis, arthritic pains are irritations and injustices that come through relationships. Hebrews chapter 12, if you mend those by forgiving and letting God be the judge, letting and stop, you know, see, because pain and, and those things, they're, they're burning, they're injustices, they're inflammations, they're lodged in your body because of injustices that happen to you. And so, 
we need to understand that that pain is not ours. That pain was taken uh, and dealt with by Jesus Christ on the cross. So it really doesn't even belong to us anymore. And so we, and, and again, then the other problem with this sickness, disease, and pain is we go to the professionals and they, they diagnose us. They label us, mental illness labels, diagnostic labels, medical labels. Um, then the devil symptomizes us tricking us into believe we still have that or we really have that or there's things that appear in your body. So it's real though. I mean, we saw it on the x-ray. It's right there. It's a da-da-da. Well, just because it shows up, not everything shows up on the x-rays either, but just because you see something enlarged or something, uh, you know, whatever it is disconnected does not mean it's the will of God. It means that you've been assaulted, afflicted, attacked because God is good. God does not want his children. You wouldn't want your children, you're a parent. You wouldn't want them to have to suffer these things that you think God is putting on you. How can you be a better parent than God? Quit judging God for doing these things. That's wrong. God wants you well. God wants you healed. And Jesus took all those infirmities and sicknesses. They're already paid for and the devil's trying to make you pay again, which is not right. Um, so when you're symptomized, you have to resist, submit to God, resist the devil. No, you won't. You spirit of pain, you spirit of binding, you spirit of fear, you spirit of whatever. Lay your hand on that part of your body where it's hurting or where it's binding or twisting or whatever, uh, whatever it's doing and say, no, pain, get off my knee, get out of my knee right now. Swelling, get out of my knee right now. I command you to get out. You cannot be there. You can talk to your body. You can talk to the devil. You have power in your words. Satan has used other people's words like you're never going to walk. You're never going to live. This is, this is, you know, uh, uh, fatal. This is a terminal, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to buy into those words. You have, you go back to the Lord and say, well, what's your will in this matter? You know, we, we, God is not here and willing that we should all perish and die and shrivel up and go away. God wants us to be more than conquerors and walk in the power of his forgiveness and his power. So um, we, we submit to God and, and resist the devil, get back into right relationship with God. So we recognize the work of these familiar spirits that come down the bloodlines, that come and walk through our lives. We resist him. We remove the lies that fear has told us. We cancel them out by telling the truth. We declare the truth. We use the authority God has given us to cast out the devil, command them to leave. They don't have a right to be in your body. They do not. That's, that's not their habitation. They don't have a right to live there. They're, they're trespassing. Um, and to realize that this stuff is real and the war is real and the victories and the healings and the deliverances are yours um, because they've already been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ. So quickly, that's kind of a, a very quick summation of this. But what I would like to do, and if you can listen up, if you've not already turned me off, let's do this. If you have a specific perplexing affliction or an ailment or, or an issue in your family, in your bloodline, I would like to um, address those on this podcast on Rescue Radio. So if you would like to, and I, and I just let's do this, um, email me your request, your problem, simply. I don't need five pages. I need not more than two paragraphs of what's going on. And then we'll discuss that on the, this show, and then we will look for ways to understand what the devil is doing to you. Now, if you're interested in doing this, my email again is m, as in Margie, mcole at liferecovery.com, mcole at liferecovery.com, and you send those those perplexing afflictions, and we'll see what will happen. I, I do think God wants us to be more specific in how we help you, and uh, we bless you this, this day with the revelation of God's love and truth. Um, we're going to be doing a couple more seminars up here in September 16th. 
Um, and just check our emails. And if you don't know, go to the website. We'll have these things posted for you. And we want to bless you, Father, with a deep and holy revelation of Jesus Christ. Check out a case for healing or spiritual root causes of physical diseases to see what what you can understand regarding these things. Also, why can't I concentrate, which has to do with the autistic spirits and the deaf and dumb. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.